the 4th of September, 2022. In the practice of sitting in meditation, we may take up the object of our breath, the in-breath and the out-breath. And it's possible that the breath becomes more and more refined as the mind becomes peaceful. And we can sit for long periods, maybe one hour, two hours, three hours. And then when the mind comes out of this peaceful state, then for some people they just carry on sitting, bring their mind back to the breath again. Other people, when their mind leaves this peace, they do walking meditation or they stand in meditation, changing their posture of the body. And then when they feel like that is enough, then they wish to sit again. So they come and sit down and bring their mind to peace again through paying attention, having awareness over the breath alongside using this meditation word, buddha. And then when the mind begins to feel peaceful again, and this word, buddha, it just disappears, and we know just the in-breath and the out-breath. And the breath becomes more and more subtle here until we lose interest in it. And there's just knowing there. There's stillness, emptiness, brightness. The body and the mind become very buoyant. And there isn't any doubts. There's no wondering why are things like this. When the mind is peaceful, then there's no thoughts to it. But it's possible that when we don't have any thoughts, then we can wonder why is it that I'm not thinking. We may try to think, but the mind just won't think. It's usually before when we sit in meditation and we want stillness, we want peace and the mind is really frantic all over the place. And we think, well, why is it like this? Why can't I experience peace? And so I was like this before. And then one day the mind really settled and there weren't any thoughts left, just stillness there. And I tried to think, but the mind just wouldn't think. So in this case, we should understand that this, that the mind is peaceful. It's reached into peace already. There's vitaka, vichara, piti, sukha, ekakata, the initial and sustained application of the mind, rapture and happiness and one-pointedness. And when it leaves the state of samadhi, then we come to contemplate into all materiality, mentality, seeing as being anicca, dukkha, anatta, as changing and being suffering and not-self. And due to that peace, it becomes easier, it becomes clearer, so that we're able to see the Dhamma. So we need to understand this is a matter of samadhi. Sometimes when the mind is peaceful, or sometimes the mind becomes peaceful, and on some days it's not peaceful. So we just see that this is natural, it's normal. 
It's not something to be concerned about. It's not the case that when we've experienced peace once, then that peace just grows and grows and grows, and each day our samadhi gets better and better. If that is happening, what that shows is that our barami, our spiritual accumulations, are full already. But if they're not yet full, then the practice goes up and down, up and down. That's what it's like with samadhi. So we have mindfulness there, knowing what's going on. If there isn't any peace, then the mind is in a frantic state, and all of the sense impressions enter into it. You have the sense impression of a memory, missing people that we are fond of. So for practitioners who come from far away, they leave their homes and come here, and then they miss their parents, their brothers and sisters, their friends. And this is natural, it's normal. That when we miss people, whatever it is, then we suffer due to that. So we should see how we have um, kind of changed our state already, and have left home and changed our position or state. But even though we have left home, there are still lingering ties to the people there. So we contemplate these uh, relations. Where are they? There was one time when I was at Wat Nombapong, uh, Venerable Ajahn Chah's monastery, and Ajahn Chah had left the monastery for a period, and it was very quiet, very you know, lonely there. And during that time, the monks didn't gather together for the morning and evening chanting. So I was in my heart, uh, feeling uh, like this was very secluded and quite lonely. And then I walked out to where the Dharma Hall was, and I saw a sign that said, um, My child, where have your grandparents gone? In no long time, you will go there as well. And this sign that brought up my mindfulness again, realized how all life needs to end in death, and my mind became peaceful. So when we're feeling very distracted, and there's a lot of these thoughts going on, or we're worrying about many things, or feeling lonely, and we can think about death. And this is a means to bringing up samadhi, to developing peace of mind. And when the mind comes out, then we contemplate, contemplate the body, contemplate the external body as being unattractive, the inner body as being unattractive. And this inner body, this body here, it's very important. Because sometimes we can just view external things as being a super, and this can reduce our cravings and our proliferations. 
But we also need to come back and see this body as being unattractive as well. In order to be able to see the Dhamma and to see Nibbana, we need to perceive that the body is merely a body. It's not a being, an individual. It's not me. It's not you. So we need to train in this together, really setting our hearts on this. And it's even more so for the monks that we study these meditation objects that we're given of hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth and skin. And so we contemplate this. How these uh, parts of the body that belong to other people, they're not beautiful. And mine are not beautiful either. So when we do this, practicing in this way, contemplating along these lines, then the mind will come into peace and will gain wisdom. It's also possible when we come to meditate, we can start the practice with another object, like watching the breath come and go, or reflecting upon death. But in the end, we must return to the body, seeing it as being unattractive. Some practitioners, they read the scriptures, the texts, and there they say that those people who have very coarse defilements and who have a lot of lust, then they're the ones who need to contemplate the body as being unattractive. And for ourselves, when we read that, then we feel like we don't want to be like that. We don't want to be people who have very coarse defilements. We want to be those people who have wisdom. But this is our defilements tricking us. We don't want to feel as though we're coarse people. But the reality is that all of us who have been born, been born into these bodies, we attach to these bodies as being beautiful and as being me, being a self. So we need to contemplate, asking ourselves, well, where is the beauty in this body? The skin, is that attractive? If a flake of skin falls into a pot of curry, would we want to eat it then? And what about the things within this body? What are they like? So there are some of these awakened teachers who um, tell us to contemplate this body as being like a cesspit. And so perhaps we've seen a cesspit before, that this is where um, when we defecate or urinate in the bathroom, this is where it goes to. And so all of these unattractive things within a cesspit, well, where did they come from? Well, they came from these bodies. They were in these bodies first, and then they came out. So when we eat food, then that food gets digested. The bacteria does the work of breaking down that food. And then it becomes unattractive, just like this, and it becomes unattractive right here. So we contemplate the body, the inner body, the outer body, the body within the body. And we can ask ourselves, well, what about it is beautiful? When we peel off the skin, 
then the whole thing is red. There's nothing attractive there. You can see it clearly. So we train investigating like this. In the beginning, if we wish to give rise to a mental image or vision of one part of the body, then perhaps that's not going to happen. Perhaps we won't see that because our samadhi may not be enough. But don't worry about it. Meaning we can just bring up these perceptions or memories and think about it, proliferate about it. Like when the body has died and it gets tossed away, then what happens to it? That's unattractive, isn't it? It starts to deteriorate, it starts to decay, starts to get bloated, turns green. And animals come and take it as their food and eat it. And then we burn it. In previous times, they would use these cremation grounds and charnel grounds and throw corpses away there. So when they'd throw a corpse away, then maggots would come and eat it. And if the body got buried in the ground, then the gas within the body accumulates and the body starts to bloat and bloat. So when I saw this happening, um, and I saw the, the, the earth kind of uh, rising up from the body, bloating under the ground, then I thought, well, is this corpse going to rise up, rise up above the ground? So we contemplate like this. And when the body has run out of breath, then it becomes cool. The elements break apart. Just like a piece of meat, if we just leave that out in the open. piece of um, chicken, meat, or pork, or beef. And then bacteria, these germs, come up within it. And the body of ours is just the same. So when our minds are at peace, then we contemplate the body like this seeing it as unattractive, seeing it as elements, seeing it as being empty. Having mindfulness right here. Because this is where we will see things, this is where we will gain understanding. This is where we will perceive that the body is just a body right here. And as we persist with that, then eventually the mind becomes bright, the mind becomes beautiful seeing the body as being a collection of empty elements. And through that, we see the Dhamma. So this thing that we attach to was something that Ajahn Chah reiterated that we should contemplate this thing. When the mind is peaceful, then contemplate right here. So for myself, when I was a younger monk, then my mind would be calm, sometimes for many months at a time. And I wanted to just contemplate the mind itself and to attain the Dharma through that. And feeling like I'd already passed beyond the contemplation of the body already.
But this is being lost in samadhi. So the awakened teachers, they tell us, then contemplate this body, use that as your principal practice. And it's something that's really important. It's significant, it's, it's important to have respect for these teachers. Because if we don't listen to them, then we can get lost. In other farmers, they can be very stubborn, just like children. When children are able to walk and run, then they don't listen to their parents anymore. And even more so when they get older, when they grow up, then they just don't listen to their mother and father. They think that they're already skilled already, they're already intelligent. So if that's the case for us, then this practice can be very difficult and we have a chance of getting lost. So it's important for us to to listen to these teachers. It's important to train, it's important to put our effort into this practice, to set our hearts on it, to train the mind a lot, do this a lot, cultivate this a lot, really be sincere in this practice. Don't be heedless, set your heart on this. And if you do that, then you will see the Dhamma.